It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking the podcast on the road this season. We want you to come with us. We're heading to Tampa. We're heading to Nashville. We're heading to New Orleans and maybe a couple other surprises. Thanks to fansofphilly.com. That's P-H-A-N-S, fansofphilly.com. They put all the packages together for us. We're going to hit the road. Set it and forget it. Four-star hotels, direct flights, tickets to the game, tailgates, pregame festivities, and can be a part of our show's as we're there the whole weekend, wherever we are going. Fansofphilly.com. Make sure you use the code BGN so we all stick together and come have fun with us as we cheer on our Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, and take over every stadium that we are in this season. Fansofphilly.com. Promo code BGN. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. And Benjamin Solak. How old? Are you? It's the Kiston Solak Show. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kiston Solak Show. This is episode 39, and it is brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio and fans of Philly. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at InsideThePylon.com, BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T, as always. Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation and NETScouting.com is where you can find his draft work. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Mike, every day, as as we know, is a good day to be alive. But you know what makes a day an even better day on which to be alive? When you watch Terrence Williams faceplant on his bike? Is that one of the things? No. Actually, what is that from? I've only seen the jokes. I don't know, like, the, the origin. He was arrested over the weekend, drove his Lamborghini into a telephone pole, and mm-hmm. then somehow, yeah. I don't remember the exact details of the story, but ended up on, like, a bike, like, almost like a motorized bike or something like that, and the cops were behind Damn. him, and you saw the video of him face planning, and then he got up, and then he dry snitched on Kendall Wright, fellow uh, Vikings wide receiver, which is apropos for what we're going to talk oh, about today. segue. Yeah, exactly. Transition. Yeah, he said that his friend, his idiot friend, Kendall Wright, drove his Lambo into a pole and there was a malfunction with the bike, which is why he fell. Uh, he was drunk. He was 
super, super drunk. And I've seen super, super drunk. I've been super, super drunk. I might be drunk right now. He was beyond anything that I've been recently. He, he was lost in the sauce. So he was not participating in OTAs while he deals with whatever those issues are. But I don't know if he saw his own mugshot mm-hmm. when he gave his statement about what happened. But uh, maybe he should take a look at that because it's not too believable. Yeah. You know, like teams do like, like you know, like a public image thing and like how you should hold yourself, you know, in like the beginning and every like preseason training camp or whatever. Uh, and a lot of times it's very much primed towards the rookies, but they should really extend it to the veterans. But my novel idea is that there should be two different seminars, one for if you're a good player <laughs> and the other for if you're a bad player, because if you're a good player and you do this, it's like, all right. That's really dumb, but you're also a good player and we enjoy watching you and we're going to talk about, oh, he's wasting his talent. Like, oh, why would you cause problems? But it's fine. If you're just really bad at football, like Terrence Williams is, and then you do this, now you're really stupid. Like, there, you, no quarter will be given to Terrence Williams because it's not even like his talent is redeemable on the field for any sort of this nonsensical behavior. But that's the incorrect answer. Uh, the correct answer is when a report comes out on Philly.com, courtesy of Marcus Hayes, that says Danelle Pumphrey is up to a healthy 186 and is much, Ooh. much more prepared for the rigors of NFL training camp. After his first season, he came in very entitled as the career FBS rushing yards leader, as we know. Uh, and he, he, he rubbed Deuce Daly the wrong way, spent a year acclimating and adjusting and maybe being in the doghouse a little bit. But it's year two. We are ready. I'm excited. I don't think we talk about enough the fact that the Eagles 2017 class is going to be very, very exciting this year, in my opinion. Like, obviously, Derek Barnett, good player, impact, you know, got involved, but he'll be starting this year. He was not a starter last year. Sidney Jones, man, he's basically a rookie. Sidney Jones did not play, really, any meaningful snaps in 2017. Easily a top two talented corner. Uh, and he's definitely a top three corner overall on this roster as far as how the coaching staff views it. And we know from OTAs that he was viewed as potentially the starting nickel. Those are very meaningful snaps that he could be taking. Round three, Rasul Douglas, thick cornerback room, stuck as a boundary corner, yes, but I really like Rasul Douglas coming out. And then round four is Danelle Pumphrey, who, yes, again, is a guy who's in a thick running back room the same way Sewell's in a thick cornerback room, but another guy I really liked coming out. So I like, and then even like Sheldon Gibson, who, who gave you nothing as a round six pick. You got like, Decent production out of round one, and then your round four pick in Mac Hollins, and then Corey Clement is UDFA, and that was like pretty much it for that class. They won the Super Bowl. There is so much more that this class has to offer, which is why like it's very exciting right now. But Daniel Pumphrey, my boy, 186, wider shoulders, broader chest, thicker <laughs> thighs. We're excited. Here we go. Like reading a rom- romance novel of Danelle Pumphrey. I would in a heartbeat. I would write the romance <laughs> novel. Let me tell you. You're writing it right now. You're doing an audiobook on it. That's, That's what's happening. Opening line. Wider shoulders, broader chest, thicker thighs. The Danelle <laughs> Pumphrey story. Two C's. Yeah, I like it. But yeah, no, it is exciting uh, with training camp OTAs. Some of the stories from the guys that haven't made big time contributions, who is going to step up next? And his coaching staff is very good at getting the maximum out of their players. And as these players get older and acclimate to the league, get a year under their belt, coming into a full offseason program, it will be interesting to see what names rise up. 
But we are not here to talk about that today because there's not too much news on that front other than the Pumphrey Love and Terrence Williams uh, face planting. And then also, I thought it was funny that Williams said, like, look, I'm on the Dallas Cowboys, man. I wouldn't put myself in this situation. I'm thinking, yeah, the Dallas Cowboys are known for, like, a beacon of moral uh, <laughs> standing up for the right thing, doing the right thing ethically, doing the right thing by the law, law-abiding citizens there in Dallas. Of course, the reputation speaks for itself. Anyway, what we're going to be doing today, Eye of the Enemy segment. We are officially out of the, the NFC East. We've also done the New Orleans Saints. It's been our last four episodes. Go back and listen to them if you haven't. Today's Eye of the Enemy is going to be the Minnesota Vikings edition because we are moving on to NFC contenders. Obviously, the Minnesota Vikings were in the NFC championship game. Ben, do you remember what happened in that game per chance? It was so long ago. I'm trying to remember. I th- I told you a story about it on the last episode. Oh, that's Mike. right. I told you a story of the seven Minnesota Viking fans who attempted a public demonstration on the Rocky Steps and uh, took a 7-0 lead, if memory serves. I believe they stepped out to a 7-0 lead. First drive. And then gave up 38 unanswered points after a Patrick Robinson pick six. Falls, skull, get out of my building, continue whining up there in your cold, barren wasteland that actually is very nice to visit, to be frank. Um, but right now we're trash talking, so cold, barren, sad <laughs> wasteland of Minnesota. Obviously, as we've done with every segment so far, we have to start with the most important position on the field, the quarterback position, and there was a change for the Minnesota Vikings this year. And if you look back, man, like remember 2017 was essentially a contract year for Kirk Cousins, who is the new signal caller in Minnesota, uh, one of many contract seasons. And the Redskins still didn't feel comfortable enough to pay him. The Vikings did, however, signing him to a historic contract that is three years, 84 mil, fully guaranteed. So taking a look back, at his season from last year before we project him moving forward into 2018. He started out with a poor performance in week one against the Eagles, but man, really where he struggled was later on in the year. I isolated his stats from week 12 to week 17 last season, and Cousins ranked 20th out of 30 for QB rating, worse than Dak Prescott. And we talked about Dak's late season struggles on episode, I believe it was 36, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. One of the Eye of the Enemy episodes, of course. Go back and listen to those again. Uh, Also, and according to PFF's QB rating, he ranked 26 out of 30 for them behind Jay Cutler and the infamous Jacoby Brissett. But just above Eli Manning, because of course, uh, Cousins also ranked 20th out of 30th in yards per attempt, 21st in completion percentage. And here's the kicker. He tied with Deshaun Kaiser in that week 12 to week 17 stretch for most interceptions in the league with eight. And that's a catastrophic run of play. If we're talking about a guy that is expected to put this Vikings team over the top, and I feel like it's really getting pushed aside due to the change of scenery, which may or may not be justified. So you dig further. All right. The guy only hit one big time throw in the last three games and posted his worst big time throw percentage in his career. And we have for a long time been talking about his high variance play style. And there was a stat, actually a few stats that I found that really exemplified that. One of those went under pressure, tied fourth for big time throws, but also tied sixth for turnover worthy throws. And it makes sense with his game. He seems to take big gambles against pressures and blitzes. And then he turtles up when there's no pressure and with no blitz. And we've seen that throughout his career. That's feast or famine stuff. And it comes down to decision making accuracy. And that variant shows up all over the place. Third and fourth down the money downs, six most big time throws, fourth most turnover worthy throws in the red zone where you get your points. 
eighth most touchdowns with 17, tied for fourth in turnover-worthy throws. Ben, again, we have talked so much about the Redskins being a wildly unpredictive team that can either hang 40 on you or can lay a goose egg when it comes to their offense. But you look at this, and it kind of confirms what I suspected all along, and that's that it starts with the quarterback position. And you really wonder how Mike Zimmer is going to be able to stomach that and how John Filippo is going to bring more balance to his game. And look, I've got a lot of faith in flip. And even last year, Case Keenum had a better year than than Cousins. Let's just state it plainly. So I don't get this narrative of Cousins somehow being less of a liability. And you say, well, okay, Cousins was pressured 36% of the time because of all the line configurations due to injuries in Washington. Well, yeah, that's all well and good until you consider that Keenum was the third most pressured quarterback in the league. And remember what I said about Cousins under pressure producing very different results from play to play. So as much as a powder keg I believe Case Keenum was last season, just ready to blow up, even though he looked stable for most of the season. You always had the feeling that it was going to blow up. All you did in my eyes was replace a powder keg with nitroglycerin. Ben, what say you? I don't have any, I don't have any chemistry metaphors. <laughs> Here's what I have to say. I should, actually, I should start with a disclaimer. I lost a good deal of money because Kirk Cousins did not sign with the Broncos. I already didn't like him before that. And now after that, I really don't like him because I thought I had that locked and I got a good odds on it. I made the bet like in December or something. Mm. I was feeling great. And then the Vikings came in like the 10th hour and totally screwed me over. And I'm mad at Kirk. And that's important to remember. <laughs> He's 4-19, and 19, Mike. You know, what's our favorite Kirk Cousins stat? How does he perform against teams that end the season with winning records? He's 4-19. and 19. Yeah. He, he, he was never able to elevate a Washington team beyond fluctuating around 8-8, eight and eight, mm-hmm. right? What you see with Kirk, and I think that there's a parallel to be drawn here with prime Joe Flacco. Because if you remember, when we were in the height of Joe Flacco-ism-ness, there was, oh, it's Joe Flacco elite. And he had just, you know, uh, made it to the Super Bowl, uh, beat the San Francisco 49ers, and, you know, put together a fantastic playoff stretch, you know, unbelievable 13 touchdowns to zero interceptions or something like that. Just, uh, yeah. just incredible. If your quarterback is not consistent in the way that he plays, one, and two, does not manage risk well, then you may be getting elite play for eight games of the season. And they're all over the place. If you can't predict when those eight games are, and you can't even make sure all of those plays are in the same eight games, Mm. then sure, maybe you can put a really good team around him, which Minnesota has done, and get to the playoffs, which Minnesota will do. But you're going to have to win at least three games in a row against the best competition in the NFL. One of the main things around Philadelphia with Nick Foles at the helm coming into the playoffs was, all right, this is a really good team and it's really well coached. And Foles has played well, but we just don't know what you're going to get out of him. And we got 10 of the best quarters we've seen from Nick Foles from the half in Atlanta on. And he goes won the Super Bowl. This is uh, again, and and Joe Flacco won the Super Bowl against the Niners. You can't bank on that. That's not. That's not like a. That's an aber. That's like that's the exception. <laughs> right. And one of the things, like when we talk about a quarterback being elite, number one, we do it the wrong way because elite means like well, there there are thirty two starting quarterbacks. Elite means like you know liberally the top ten percent. So we're talking about maybe three quarterbacks are elite, and meanwhile like twenty five different quarterbacks get the word thrown around. You know. But when we talk about, you know, when, when people want to throw elite on Cousins and they want to put raw, you know, season, season stats on him, when you go on a, on a game by game basis, on a play by play basis, it's, there's not nearly enough consistency for you to hang tight 
and be a perennial powerhouse. And that's why you see an incredibly poor record against teams that, that end the season over 500. And it's why you saw a Washington team that, while grossly mismanaged, never wanted to sink a large contract on Cousins, right? And I thought that that was a very justifiable concern that they had. And now you've got the Vikings, who are basically giving themselves a three-year window, $82.5 million, say we are going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. And we've got three years to string together, you know, four of his best games to get us through the playoffs and to get us the Lombardi Trophy. It's that's that's not a fun bet. I like yeah. you know that that to me that's a recipe for two wild card exits and one divisional round exit. And you look at it, the quarterback that they got is the exact opposite of Kirk Cousins. Like Alex Smith, regardless of what his big time throw percentage was last year, I mean, he, he threw the ball downfield more than his entire career. And we talked about his possible regression in Washington, but he still takes care of the football. He's always taking care of the football. Kirk Cousins did not take care of the football last year. He's so back and forth, Jekyll and Hyde with the way that he plays his game. And it's interesting for a team that's going to have to rely on its defense. And, you know, they're going to score some points. They're going to score some points. But really what they want to do is let their defense win in the games and not have their quarterback cost them any games. And you feel like there are games where Cousins is just going to shut down. And if they don't win three or four in a row with Cousins playing the best football of his life with the best three, four weeks of football in his life, they're they're not going to make it through. It's just not going to be a sustainable thing for them. But so we can talk about more about the offense as a whole. Obviously, we have trust and flip to be able to do good things with Cousins as a matter of Cousins actually doing them. Um, you look at the running game, what's big for them uh, with Jarek McKinnon going to San Francisco. It's big that they're getting Dalvin Cook back through his first four games, average 4.8 yards per carry. I would expect him to get more involved with the passing game because, I mean, Latavius Murray certainly isn't going to do it. And really, I don't think Murray can do much of anything outside of being a touchdown vulture in the red zone. And really, historically, he's only good at that due to the volume and not due to the efficiency. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the wide receivers. Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, one of my favorite one-two punches in the Who's league. Who's better? Who's better? Oh, that's a tough one, bro, but I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. You agree? straight you're going to go with Adam Thielen. He's been better since last season, man. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Look, I study wide receivers a lot. I worked on wide receivers for the Inside the Pylon Draft Guide. Um, according to Dan Hatman, the director of the Scouting Academy, it's my my best position in regard to evaluation. I'll trust his word on that, and I'll trust my eyes when it comes to Diggs and Thielen because when I watch them, the level of detail and nuance that they bring to the routes. And it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, he's a good route runner. Uh, saying he's a good route runner, that doesn't doesn't really say anything. That statement isn't even applicable to these two because they're beyond being good route runners. They are two of the most technically sound guys you'll find at the release point, at creating secondary releases, manipulating leverage, efficiency at the break point, the ability to create separation with their work throughout their entire route stem. You want to see high science in the route running game? Those are two shining examples. And for all the criticisms about Cousins, they're going to give him some easy throws, throws that were not available to him last year in Washington because they didn't have anybody that could separate naturally like that on that level. And it's easy to forget because of the Keenum detractors out there that the Vikings were third in the league in converting third downs last year, while also having the third lowest turnover rate on third down and Adam Thielen on third down, had the second most targets, catches, yards, and first downs in the league last year. And Diggs converted 15 of those catches, of his 18 catches on third down, into first downs. So those two had massive impacts on that. Ben, all of this is to say that those two are fantastic at playing football. And I know you agree. I know you're Adam Thielen Hive. Uh, but the combination with Diggs, man, those two, those two guys are guys that can really get open for Cousins. And then you throw in Dalvin Cook coming out of the backfield. 
mm-hmm. which Dalvin Cook is one of the, and we forget this, best receiving backs that we've had come out in the past couple of years. I agree. And even when he was coming out, Christian McCaffrey, who, in my opinion, was the best receiving back we have seen a couple years, period. Like, we put him at number one. You overshadowed Cook a little bit. You have Cook, and then you have fifth-round pick Tyler Conklin, who I think is going to be able to give them more from the tight end position, because as much as I love Kyle Rudolph, he is a four receptions for 32 yards and probably three first downs sort of a guy. <laughs> and there's just not a lot of juice left in, in Kyle's legs. I got love for Kyle Rudolph. He has powered me through a lot of fantasy football games, uh, but he's not necessarily springy. He's like if Brent Selleck were starting at this point in his career, basically. Well, he's, he's he, he like uh, Rudolph's only been in the league for about like seven, eight years. Right. And so, like, it was like, you know, Selleck in, in like 13? 12 or 13. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but but that, that's a good parallel to draw. It's just a different age, different breed. And that's where I think, you know, I just, you know, brought up, you know, you can't expect Cousins to be elite or Cousins to be consistent and to be good on a week-in, week-out basis. I can expect that from John Filippo, And that's what I want to see. And that's how I think if the Vikings are successful, it will be on the back of a Filippo offense. And, and as we saw, Filippo offenses are incredibly detailed and they're incredibly creative. And what you have with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen are two of the most detailed wide receivers in the league, which is where a lot of their strengths come from is their detail. And then they're fantastic in-space athletes. Both of them, Thielen and Diggs, are wonderful with the ball in their hands. And that's a re- that's that to me, that's the best marriage. Like, I don't think... DeFilippo, uh, you know, as far as DeFilippo and Cousins, I'm pretty sure that, that had to have been a tandem idea. You know what I mean? Like Cousins had to have been sold on the fact that DeFilippo was going to be there and DeFilippo had to be okay with the idea that Cousins was going to be his quarterback, you know, because the Vikings were juggling both those balls at the same time. So I'm certain that was part of, of, of the package that brought DeFilippo to Minnesota. But what I'm really excited to see is his work with Diggs and Thielen because that attentiveness to detail and a lot of the specificity that comes with DeFilippo, who's been incorporating a ton of spread stuff, obviously, but has a West Coast background uh, from one of the previous when he was with the Raiders, when he was with the Jets, has a West Coast background. That, I think, is going to be the most dynamic pairing. And I really think that while we had our fair share of Diggs and Thielen are the best wide receiver duo in the NFL sort of think pieces and, and takes and claims. I think we see that very firmly solidified this season with Minnesota, especially when you consider that Cousins had by far his best season, his, his best production when it was D. Jackson, Pierre Garçon that he was chucking the ball to, right? Mm-hmm. Which obviously quarterbacks are better when they have good wide receivers. I'm not going to dispute that, but it was a significant delta versus obviously, you know, some of the, the difficulties they have with injuries and performance in this past season, the Redskins, that is. So I'm very excited. Uh, but I think that what's important to know is is how well Filippo has done in incorporating running backs and tight ends into his pass-catching repertoire, especially in the last season with Philadelphia, where that was such a huge focus. So I think Dalvin Cook is, yeah, absolutely huge season, big comeback player of the year, sort of candidate or whatever. And then I'm circling Tyler Conklin, uh, who's going to be yeah. a piece that Filippo is going to try to use very, very well as that sort of move tight end who you can put in a lot of different places. It's going to be fun. That, oh, the only weakness that you find on this Vikings offense, in my opinion, is uh, interior offensive line at the guard spot. Obviously, you've got Pat Elfline starting there at center. Uh, Third-round pick last year, who's just, you know, he's a blue-collar sort of a guy, Ohio State, multi-year starter. He's going to be fine. It's the yeah. easy pick. But then on his side, you've got Nick Easton, who's a decent player, uh, playing left guard. He's in a contract here. And then on the other side, it's Tom Compton, 
who isn't very good at football. They're at the point where you, what you're, what you're hearing is that they might move Mike Remmers inside with the selection of Brian O'Neill, uh, and bringing him on. And you do have Danny Isadora out of Miami. It was a fifth round pick last year who potentially has some good ability. And then Colby Gusset, uh, whose Appalachian State was a, it was a sixth round pick this year. And I'm a, I was a big fan of Colby coming out. What's really interesting for Minnesota and now for DiFilippo, first year offensive coordinator, Gassette can only, only start if you're blocking a lot of zone and you're asking for a lot of movement, you're asking for a lot of agility. And Danny Isadora can only, only start if you're asking him to stay in a spot and move <laughs> yeah. people. He's a, he is a man blocking scheme player. Those are different stylistic guys. From what we've seen of Filippo, I would expect zone. I would expect Gassette. And obviously he was on staff when the Gassette pick was made. He was not on staff when Isidoro was made. So that's already, you know, kind of a check mark for Gassette's camp. But they've got to riddle that out. Uh, you know, the, their interior is not strong right now. And for as long as it's not strong and they're going to go up against, you know, uh, Indominus Sue and Aaron Darnold. Uh, in Los Angeles, and they're going to go against Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark in uh, Green Bay, and they're going to go against Fletcher Cox and Timmy Jernigan in Philadelphia. Yeah, it's going to be a weakness for them from the jump. And so interior offensive line, that's that's the one big question mark. And if they solve that, this offense has got everything it needs to hum pretty well. And I don't think that gets fixed right away. I don't think Brian O'Neill is ready to play right now. I don't think that Kobe Cassette is ready to play right now. If they get one of those guys to give a meaningful contribution, even if it's in the second half of the season, I think they're they're winning as far as that goes. Uh, I'm not sure that's going to happen, though. I think that's more of a long-term thing with them. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep their quarterback from being the third most pressured quarterback in the league for the second straight year. I think they can. They'll get a little bit more of the offensive line than they got last year. So that's going to be something that, that, that like you said, the one weakness of that team is definitely the offensive line and they can't afford any injuries either. So they need some good injury luck with that as well. And then we'll flip it to the defensive side of the ball and we'll do kind of the offense and defensive wrap up at the end here. Uh, but Ben, I mean, this is, this is slam dunk. This is easy. We know this defense is good. Uh, we all know that they were first in the league and points allowed, uh, in third best in the red zone. We all know that they set a record for the, for the lowest third down conversion rate in the history uh, of that stat with enemy offense is only converting 25% of the time on third down against them. Most importantly, we all know that the Eagles torched them on third down by converting their first 9 of 11 and ultimately converting 10 of 14. But That was unkind. I liked it, but that was unkind. <laughs> you got to you got to throw those shots in there. But you, you really you look at this what this defense brings as far as creativity on blitzes, their ability to create plus situation with less blitzers due to alignment and disguises and bring more blitzers than there are blockers on a side. And just even looking at the roster, that defensive line is so damn good. Linval Joseph, they added Sheldon Richardson. We were talking before the show and we both didn't realize until we looked it up today that they added Sheldon Richardson to that it line. Was like, I just saw his name there and I was like, someone's yeah. playing. Like, there's no way this actually happened. <laughs> I thought that that was just a joke when that like signing news came out. Yeah, I must have blacked out like Terrence Williams when I saw it the first time. Uh, then you have Everson Griffin, of course, Danelle Hunter. It's getting better and better and better. Then they add Jalen Holmes in the draft, an edge rusher, Hercules Mata'afa, as we talked about before, Adi Aruna, uh, the guy that the Eagles were interested uh, interested in from Tulane for some young depth. They have second-year defensive tackle Jaleel Johnson from Iowa, who I really liked coming out, ready to take more snaps this year with uh, Tom Johnson and some, uh, Shamar Stefan, if I'm not mistaken, leaving. Uh, so to sum it up, they have youth, they have depth, they have dynamic talent up front. 
and they have high-level coaching to enhance all that. Uh, ben, I'll ask you this. Because there is premier talent at all three levels of this defense, where is the, when you're looking at this roster, where is the exploitable weakness for coaches not named Doug Peterson? It's in 2019. Does that still count? <laughs> No, uh, I would say the exploitable weakness right now is just Ben Gideon. Like, this roster's got 10 very good players starting on defense, and then also Ben Gideon, who has been their weak side backer for, like, a couple of years now. I don't understand how it's gone on so long. <laughs> right, he's not bad. Wait, wait, wait. He's been two years. He's, he was a, he was a, a 17 draft selection. And he wasn't great then, and they didn't improve upon him, and so he's going to be starting again now. And, okay, uh, but he's not great. And then uh, the 2019 joke alludes to the fact that Anthony Barr is a free agent coming up uh, following this season. And you say, all right, well, obviously they're going to re-sign Anthony Barr. Uh, Anthony Barr is fantastic at football. And then you remember that Stefan Diggs is also a free agent coming up this year. And they're really going to want to re-sign Stefan Diggs, right? But then you remember that Danielle Hunter is also a free agent coming up after the season. And Danielle Hunter is an amazing edge defender. And that's a key position. It's more important than wide receiver. And it's more important than linebacker. So they're probably going to probably going to re-sign uh, Danielle Hunter, right? And then all of a sudden, you look at Minnesota's just cap situation in general. And they're not going to have a ton of space in 2019. And all of a sudden, you got decisions to make. And that's kind of what the issue is. You know, obviously... And they've got this, you know, scoped out. I'm sure that there's older contracts that they can shave off and they can move pieces around. I'm not intimately familiar with their cap. Uh, but the reality is you've got three top 10 players at their position all hitting the market in the same year. Yeah. Daniel Hunter maybe might not be top 10, actually. I'm not positive with that. But he's, he's still a very good paid, edge. <laughs> right. He's, he's a very good, very young edge. And that's the most important position of the three. So there you go. And so that's where I think that, you know, the fact that they didn't attack linebacker in the draft whatsoever, uh, you know, they brought in like some undrafted free agents. That's pretty much it. Yeah, like Garrett Dooley. That was about it. Right. Indicates to me that Anthony Barr is somebody they envisioned sticking around for 2019 and beyond. Um, but then all of a sudden, if you're losing Danielle Hunter, well, then you're trying to work in, you know, Jalen Holmes, like you said, the fourth round pick, Adia Runa, the sixth round pick. You're bringing in young guys. You got to make sure they hit. That secondary is 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 ridiculously good. It's going to be ridiculously good for the rest of time. I mean, for as long as Mike Zimmer's there, he's going to draft court corners in the first two rounds. Yeah. And they're going to they're, – they're, I mean, so we got Trey Waynes, Xavier Rhodes, Mac Alexander – Terrence Newman, and then drafty Mike Hughes, and then undrafted free agent because off the field he's garbage, but on the field he's amazing, Holton Hill. Like, that's the best three-deep at corner in the league, period. I don't have to look at a single other roster. And they brought back Marcus Sherrills, who played well for them in the slot, too. Right. right. Marcus Sherrills is, like, fifth on the depth chart in our lads. <laughs> he's fifth on one side, which, like, because I didn't even like see him there. So there you go. That's fine. Um, and then they've got a nice safety duo in Andrew Sandejo. Uh, and Harrison Smith, both of them were underappreciated and are great players. And I think the depth behind, because when Sendejo went down earlier in the, in the season or later in the season, Anthony Harris came in and he was impactful. So they have depth mm -hmm. at safety too. Like we talk about a lot of these teams, especially with the Giants, that one injury could be catastrophic to that team. I don't think that's the case at all with the Vikings. I think they got depth everywhere but linebacker. There is depth where they can replace those yeah. guys if somebody goes down. Right. And they, they need. Some of their young guys to hit on the defensive line because, like sure. you said, but there's a you know, bunch they of them. moved <laughs> right exactly. Now they moved like you know Tom Johnson and Shamar Stefan, two defensive tackles who gave them significant reps last year as far as playing time. That is, they're both gone, and so they're going to need Jaleel Johnson or Sheldon Richardson to give them significant snaps, which. 
you know, that's a good situation to be in as far as guys to give you significant snaps. Um, and then obviously with Danielle Hunter potentially being a contract situation, obviously they're going to try to uh, need to get something out of Jalen Holmes and Ade Aruna, but what have you, like, you know, you, you don't want to say that's a weakness just because it's unproven. You know what I mean? Like right. they've invested the capital. There's nothing else you can do except now try to make the capital play well for you. But if I'm circling anything, it is the linebacking core. Uh, and even then for 2018, it's not that much of an issue. It's just me picking on Ben Gideon. Uh, and then maybe, you know, with Anthony Barr, Danielle Hunter, uh, both in contract years, we can have a different conversation depending on how well they can retool. But certainly the defense is the strength of the roster. Filippo, Cousins, 1-2 are huge, clear additions in the offseason to try to make this roster better. But I wouldn't be shocked if it's the return of Dalvin Cook that, you know, really changes the face of this offense more so than Kirk Cousins or anything like that. Let's talk about their defense, their offense. Do you think either the offense or defense take a step back or a step forward this year? And I think that's tricky it, with the offense because Keenum had a very good season. We just right, knew he was going to blow up at the some thing. point. It's like on paper, if you put the 2017 offense and the 2018 offense next to each other, it's very clear the 2018 offense is going to step forward. And right. then you remember that like Case Keenum was hanging 30 on people. And the, <laughs> what? Like why? Yeah. Uh, and so I don't want to just say like hold, hold steady, hold steady because that's pretty lame. I do think the offense will improve. You know, we, we, we kind of talk about offenses in terms of explosiveness and then like consistency. I think it'll improve in terms of explosiveness. I think you can do a lot more. Uh, dynamic down the field stuff with Kirk Cousins yeah. than you ever could with Case Keenum. I think obviously you're, you're losing something in terms of risk management there that you had with Case. Um, but I think you're going to be able to, to be more dynamic, which really lends itself well to the, the, the big three you've got as far as weapons, uh, Diggs, Thielen, and, and, and Cook can really be guys who, who rip off some 20 plus yard plays for you. So I'll give them a step forward there. I think this mm. defense remains a top five defense in the league. Uh, and this is, you know, this is the year for that defense. You know, two of the top three contributors on that defense in terms of Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, and then Anthony Barr. Two of those top three are in contract years. And so really, like, you know, obviously Minnesota's got a, a multi-year plan in place and they've got, you know, a, a future where they're able to keep them, but things rarely go to plan. And so they're, they're aware in this building that this might be that last year with, with those three on the front altogether. And as a result, you know, I expect that defense to play very well. Uh, for them to understand the urgency of the situation. I think Minnesota's going to be a, a, a very good team. My, my question mark is the quarterback. And whenever yeah. my question mark is the quarterback with your football team, I'm not going to feel comfortable projecting you deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It'll happen. Yeah. It can happen. It happened yeah. last season. I'm just not going to feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, just the odds are one game is going to crap you out, and that quarterback's going to have one of those games. His name is Kirk Cousins. That's kind of what he does. So it's kind of it's kind of on him. He's got a fantastic defense that, like you said, I think is going to be top five. I don't know how you can project them to take a step forward other than maybe getting some more sacks, but who cares? They were awesome last season. Points allowed uh, in the red zone, third down, all that good stuff. They were fantastic. So, yeah, I would say that the offense is more explosive, more high variant. I would say that the defense uh, holds holds par there as far as that goes. Uh, ben, first, uh, let's see here, first five games. I want you to give me a record prediction. 49ers at home, Packers on the road. Bills at home, Rams on the road, Eagles on the road. Oh, Jiminy Christmas. Their schedule sucks. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's start in terms of easiness. Bills on the road. That's a W. Money. Uh, I don't even know if it was at home. Or Bills at home. Bills. Okay, their roster is so bad. Josh Allen. <laughs> uh, 49ers in the opener, I still think, will be a win. I'll tell you right now. I don't know. I feel like X's and O's. That's appointment Ooh. viewing. Shanahan, DiFilippo, year one. I'm down. Yeah. Let's hit it. <laughs> the other three, Green Bay, 
Wow. Wait, so it's Green Bay on the road, Rams on the road, and the Eagles on the road? Yeah, so they got to go. They go to Green Bay. They got the Bills. Then they go to the West Coast to the Rams and then travel back to play the Philadelphia Eagles. Are those all Sunday games? I'm getting super deep. I'm just trying to buy time, really. Dude, they play Sunday at home against the Bills. They play Thursday on the road on the West Coast against the Rams. And then they've got 10 days until the Eagles. They're going to lose the Rams game. Yeah. uh, In case you were curious. Uh, Yeah. Um, That's a brutal schedule. All right. I will. I'll give them three, two. I think that Green Bay is going to take a little bit of time to get the wheels rolling. Just because you've got different coaches and you've got a lot of different personnel. Rodgers obviously returning is going to make them a good team from the jump, I would anticipate. Uh, but, you know, week two, still figuring it out. And, you know, Minnesota, uh, you know, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator. You can honestly make a similar case. But I trust that defense in Minnesota a lot more I do in Green Bay. What if they go one and four? What if they go one and four? They they, very they're going to go they're gonna be the 49ers. Listen, we okay. love talking about the 49ers, like in the hypothetical. That's a thing. Yeah, absolutely. But the 49ers, like, defensive roster sucks and no one talks about it because what it's just, fun to talk just about. bad. What if they can't score any? But what if, what if Cousins has a terrible week number one like he did last year against the Eagles? That's okay, what I'm well, saying. Yeah. It's possible. It's by, if they right. go one and four, people are going to crap themselves. Like, that would be the biggest waste of a season. <laughs> that would be a great time. I mean, we'll definitely get a conversation. If, if they lose to the Rams and lose to the Eagles in back to back weeks, then yeah, there's going to be, you know, good morning football on Monday morning saying, does Cousins have what it takes to hang with the elite people in the NFC? Like, you know, that's 1000% going to be a thing. Uh, what, it's what I anticipate because I really think they're going to lose to the Rams. And then there's no way they come into Philadelphia after all the nonsense that went on with those two fan bases. They come into the link and win is a 0% chance. I like, <laughs> even with DeFlippo revenge tour, that, oh. like, the Eagles are going to be a very, very motivated team there, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I'll give them, I'll give them three and two. They're not going to be one and four. They're not going to lose to the Niners. Let's take a thousand chill pills. You want to make a bet? Right now. I need, I need serious odds on this though. Okay. One in four really- for the team that went to the NFC championship game and arguably got more explosive on offense, more high variant too, but. What, what kind of odds are you giving me? Okay, like 15 to 1 that they go 1 and 4. No, 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 25 to 1. 25 to 1 they go 1 and 4. I will bet you a dollar. So if, if right. I win, you owe me $25. If I lose, yeah, I give deal. you a dollar. Mike, deal? you're telling me, you're trying to, you, we just looked at this defense and you're yeah. going to tell me they're, that if they start out 0 and 2, which you're talking about, they're not going to get desperate enough to beat one of the Rams or the Eagles? I'm just saying those are some good football teams. I don't think the 49ers are ready. I, I would agree with you there. I would agree. with. You. I think worst case scenario for them is two and three. Okay. Losing to the okay. Rams, Eagles, and Packers. I, I get that. One and four is a serious stretch. I'm just saying, man. If that's right, I'm going to shove it in your face so freaking hard. That's a gamble, man. That's like the kicker that we saw at the Senior Bowl that lined up that, that was Daniel Carlson, who's on the Vikings roster. Bring really? it all home together. Yeah. Did they, <laughs> did they draft him or just get him UDFA? So there was this kicker while you looked that up. There was this kicker at the fifth senior round, bowl. Fifth round. Fifth <laughs> round. That kick got him drafted. We were at the senior bowl. We see this kicker line up a 53 yarder and we're all like, 60. 60. It was 60. Zero, Mike. It was 60 yards. Holy crap, dude. It was even wow. So he's at midfield and we're like, is this dude really going to like this is and then we're saying like, this is super smart. He can miss and no one's going to care. Dude, not only did he make it. So there's this pole. There's this pole about 10 yards between the yeah telephone pole, 10 yards behind the field goal post right in the middle of the post. He hit that thing dead center from 60 out. It would have been good from 70. <laughs> it had, it, right. And it was like, you know, 
like held by a T, like not by a person. So he like yeah. set it up perfectly, and he got his nice running start, and like you know, not a game situation. But for example, that's a no risk, high reward, no risk because if you miss it, then what the heck? You were goofing off at practice. Yeah, doesn't matter. No one's gonna remember if you hit it. And, and, and when, when you hit it, it literally makes a clanging sound because you hit the telephone pole behind the uprights. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going to remember that, which we do. Shout out Daniel Carlson, who's probably the last draft pick we didn't talk about for the Vikings, <laughs> uh, who's going to be challenging Kai Forbath for the starting job. Go, Daniel Carlson. I will always root for you regardless of what uniform you wear. There's no way the Vikings go one and four. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I got this one to 25 This episode ended it's in like pretty typical chaotic fashion. Like this is a yeah. very good, like <laughs> typical, like, and we derail by minute 40. Right. Exactly. So that has been your eye on the enemy segment, the Minnesota Vikings edition. Ben, you want to let the gentle listeners know what other teams we've got on tap and which next one we have on tap. Do we have more than one on tap still? Do we have more contenders? Atlanta Falcons, most certainly. Yeah. Yes, there you go. Anyone else? Exactly. The Atlanta Falcons, the second best team in the NFC. Make sure you listen to the next episode where Ben <laughs> will substantiate that take. But uh, we just talked about the third best team. We have Atlanta. We have the Rams. Definitely left still on, oh, the, on yeah. the docket. And then obviously, uh, you know, if if the good people of BGN Radio, you know, feel a, feel a dire need for the Green Bay Packers or for the San Francisco 49ers, then we can talk about those teams. We'll be talking about teams that are not substantial threats to Philadelphia, but if you want us to do it, we'll do it. We have a good time yeah. with this. Yeah. But yeah, that's what's coming up. Atlanta will be the next episode. Uh, Los Angeles Rams is definitely the last mandatory. I, the enemy, as we go over it. Of course, OTAs are going to continue rolling through. We'll get more and more Danelle Pumphrey updates and then also stuff <laughs> that you guys care about as they come around, and so we'll be sticking with that. Uh, and dude, training camp officially mm. a month away 23rd very very exciting stuff so that, that, that's a good time um we're excited for you to just stick with us here at bgn radio as always riding our way through the offseason with a ton of hijinks and foolishness uh just looking forward to the uh, repeat super bowl season man it's gonna be a good one remember go to itunes rate review give us five stars leave a line for us let us know how we're doing let us know any criticism that we have so we can make this experience better for you or we can seek you down in social media and uh, try to tear down your life one tweet at a time. You make your choice how you want to deal with that. As always, remember, we all we got, we all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. How do you like threatening the, the, the gentle listeners there? Very yeah, to end every show, like, listen, respond to us. We hate you. The end. <laughs>